Let's go back to a Go Loud original. You also turned down contestant number two from the office. That is, of course, David Brent. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Oh. Hey. Who the fuck's that? Who are you? What have you been on before? Nothing, so don't... Wanker. You're the wanker, mate, if anyone is. Who do you think that way? From my point of view, yeah. Brilliant. Hello and welcome to Let's Go Back to The Office Christmas Specials. My name is Owen Sheehan and every week myself and Sue Murphy go back and watch a film or a television show that has a particular meaning for that week's special guest. This week we are delighted to be joined by actor and comedian Eric Lawler. Eric, you're very welcome. How are things? I'm very well, guys. I think we can all see light at the end of the tunnel now. So uh, I think everybody's spirits are perked up. All we need now is the weather to perk up on there and we're laughing. (laughs) That would oh, be yeah. nice. That that really <laughs> would be nice. I, like so, you you come to the table. We 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 gave you free reign to pick whatever you wanted here, movies wise, TV wise. In fairness, I don't think there's much that could have perked up our mood more than episodes thirteen and fourteen of The Office. Like, I mean, the, sorry, this is the original <laughs> Office for anybody just joining us and anybody who's not au fait. When I say The Office, I mean the the original Office. When I say the U.S. Office, I mean the U.S. Office. We're talking about The Office here. Um, it's it's phenomenal, Eric. Thank you for bringing this, bringing this to the table. Why did you pick it? I, uh, do you know what? I, I I was stumped. I like when because when you when you're given such choice as what's your favorite TV show or favorite film or whatever and what's the stuff you go back to, um, I suppose it was it was it was more a sense of timing and um, uh, it was only recently that I had watched um, watched the the episodes again uh, in the last couple of months anyway, and I remember being so struck at how much it still I still loved it. And how fresh it still seemed to me, and how much I enjoyed it. Um, and I realised at the time that, you know, I must, I must have watched this ten, fifteen times now at this stage, and it still makes me laugh, and it still makes me feel my feels, as all the young folks say. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster. It really is, and. Um, and as I said, when I watched it again, I, I felt all those emotions again. And, and, and I can't wait to, um, you know, revisit it again in another few months because I, I still think it'll have the same impact on me. Sue, so, did you feel the feels the first time and did you feel the feels this week? <laughs> I am going to admit that I have never watched the UK office in full. What? I know. I know it's it's terrible. I was actually saying to Owen um, earlier. I got um, I got a pull out of a, the UK office, and you know those things that these do in the papers, and you get a DVD free. And oh, yeah. I got two episodes, and I'd watched those two episodes, first two episodes, and I was honestly like, "This is so awkward. I just can't. I just can't do this." <laughs> well, you couldn't. You couldn't handle the cringe, could you not? <laughs> I was like, I can't, and I think it was like. We might get into it later, but I think it was because I worked in an office at the time that was that shit. Like it was, it was like this is too much of a reflection of my actual life. I were I was in an office where there was a girl like literally like there, and she used to email me to like clean out the cupboard. It's like <laughs> you're sitting right fucking yeah. beside me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> When oh, I watched yes. it, I was like, no, I, can't, I just can't do it. And I never went back to it. And my husband, when I say obsessed, like he could actually like quote the entire episode start to finish. Like when I was watching it with him last night, I kept looking at him for when the awkward scenes were coming up because he just kept going, 
Bracing himself. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, no, can't do this. (laughs) That's an interesting point. It's like, it's interesting that people actually cringe physically when they come up to those scenes. For me, it's like rubbing my hands together. I'm like, I cannot wait for this. Like, I'm not sure what's, what's, what's your bodily reaction, Eric, when you know what's, what's about to happen at certain moments. It's, it's almost like an affectionate cringe. <laughs> I know it's coming, and I know I'm going to cringe, but it's a cringe of, of love, um, <laughs> as opposed to the initial first cringe of, oh, my God! Um, like, Dave Brent is, like, Ricky Rich Gervais, you know, he's, he's quite a divisive um, um, uh, comedian. Um, but to me, to me I, think, I think he's a genius, an uh, absolute genius. Um, and his performance of Brent throughout the whole series and particularly in those two episodes, is just pitch perfect. Um, he is, he's, he's, he's everything in that show. He's the pantomime villain. He's the hero. He's, you know, but, you know, for such a, I suppose, if you want to call him a despicable man, you're, you're rooting for him. He is mm. the underdog. Um, he, he, I think everybody sees a little bit of themselves in him. Um, and, and, and as Sue uh, alluded to there, you know, it brings us back to places and situations that we might have found ourselves in the past and we can identify with them. And I think that's why we, um, we cringe so much because we remember that feeling. Um, I used to work in an office myself and a lot of those situations that came up in that show and particularly in the Christmas episodes, I, I remember all too well. I was a very young David Brent. <laughs> I used to work. I used to work many, many years ago. I used to work for a company called Lotus Development, who were bought over by IBM eventually. And I worked with them for many, many years. But before IBM took over, um, I was on a temporary contract as a, an 18, 19 year old with Lotus Development. Um, and it was just uh, manual labor. It was assembly line work. It was stores work. Um, and I had, I had a contract for a couple of months and they let you go. And then they bring you back for another couple of months. And, and that's the way it was. But when they used to let me go, I used to pop back up into the office, pop back up to the factory to see people. Now, I didn't bring a dog in or anything like that, <laughs> the way Brent does. But I, I just missed the people so much that I used to just pop in and say hello. And, and the guys were like, oh, all right, how's it going, Eric, and all that. And, and I was delighted too. I mean, it worked to my favor in the end because eventually the people in Lotus made me permanent. So I was always there. But, we better give this guy a job. He's been like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we might as well pay him for being here. <laughs> um, so I could, I could understand, I could feel, I could identify with Brent when he kept going back to the office just to, just to touch base. You know, the now come here. I wasn't as tragic as Brent was. You know, <laughs> but um, um, I could identify with things like that and all the little office politics that go on and, and, and you know I mean I, I started off as a physical labourer in, in, in the in the in the factories and then and then moved got promoted and moved on up the uh, the chain of command and into the offices you know where I had to dress nice and, and do all that stuff and I ended up staying there for about 20 years or so like you know uh, before I, I pursued the uh, the entertainment industry with the vigour that I'm pursuing it with <laughs> Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, at the end when Tim kind of has one of those feels moments when he's like, well, you spend eight hours a day with your work colleagues and it's just all of a sudden uh, you're thrown into this collective mix of people and some of them are going to have no connection to you except for the fact that you walk on the same patch of carpet together. Like, I'm sure for yeah. anybody who's had a job, it's kind of like, yeah, that 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 does hit home. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, there's an old saying as well, is that you, you can you can 
you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family, nor can you choose your workmates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and, and Tim, like, is it, such a brilliant character as well. And, um, like, that, that moment at the end, guys, with Don and him, is, like, it's up there with one of the greatest, I think, romantic, feel-good, emotional moments ever put on film I think genuinely like because if you've watched that whole series you've seen the torture that those two characters go through you know that they really really like each other you see um, Dawn and she's she's kind of trapped in this 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 awful relationship with this Neanderthal man who doesn't allow her to pursue her dreams and passions and is quite dismissive of her he's basically you know he's he's of the idea I'm the worker you stay at home have babies and you know, I'll provide for you. And 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 Tim, who just recognizes how beautiful Dawn is inside and out, and what she's capable of. And you're just like, oh my god! And the whole series, that pain is there for us. You just want them to get together. And then right at the end, they do, and it's like, oh my god! I mean, like a tear. Like I, I almost felt tearful when I, when I first saw it happen. And even even again, watching it again and again, I, I get a lump in my throat when it happens. You know, mm. it's beautiful. It's really interesting because. Like, I guess when we look at this in the, the wider context of the series, so as I say at the top, it's episode 13 and 14 of The Office, the penultimate episode, the final episode of The Office, the last two episodes ever made, released in Christmas 2003. And that's a very deliberate thing, that there was going to be no more than this, that they wanted to tie up loose ends, that they didn't want to string this thing out. And sometimes with those sort of stories, as you say, connection with two people, you start to become more familiar with them over three, four, five seasons. To be able to take us into that over... 30, 40 minute episodes tops for 12 episodes is an unbelievable achievement, really. And like, I just, I often wonder sometimes, is it because it is comedy that we have an emotional reaction to what's happening in front of us? And then all of a sudden, once they turn the dial on whatever emotion, even if it's not humor, we're going to feel something again. And I wonder if that's actually at play here in those closing scenes, as you mentioned. It could very well be on, um, as you mentioned there, like is comedy maybe opening us up to other feelings as well? Mm. Um, I mean, there's some beautiful moments in that, that particular episode as well. Some heartbreaking moments where you see Brent on his own in these roadside cafes, just looking so lonely. Mm. And your heart goes out to him, like, you know. And, and then, of course, he comes in, he meets the people and he makes a fool of himself again. He's back <laughs> to being Brent. But then... But then you go and you just see when he's, it was those moments when he's on his own in the roadside cafes that I felt like genuinely really sad for him. And, and you're kind of going, ah, ah. And then things turn for him as well at the, at the end of those episodes. I think what we should point out as well to anybody who hasn't seen The Office, and I didn't think there was anybody, but Sue has proved me wrong. But people who haven't, Sue, people who haven't seen The Office UK, what we should, we should point out is that episodes 13 and 14 are three years after, supposed to be three years after hmm. um, the first 12 episodes were filmed. And it is a catch-up of where all the people in Vernon Hogg are. And, um, of course, uh, Brent no longer works in Wernham Hog anymore. He's been, he was kind of sacked. And Neil is now running the show. His, uh, his nemesis, <laughs> who, uh, who ran yeah. the Swindon branch. Yeah. It's a perfect, it's a perfect uh, little segue there, because we should go through these first two, or these last two episodes in chronological form. I think we will go maybe not so much scene by scene here over the course of the next little while, but certainly moment by moment, especially over the first episode. Because the first episode... A lot of stuff happens, which is absolutely hilarious. And then the second episode is kind of more of a 
mishmash of everybody's emotions, I think. So, as you yeah. say, we start at the... At, a, at, a, at this point that is long after the end of, of episode 12 this is one of those revisited it's like uh, I, I don't know at, at your service once Francis Brennan goes back and catches up with somebody in a, in a hotel <laughs> yeah, yeah, how have yeah. you been getting on Jesus, you, you haven't <laughs> been painting that wall that sort of thing but they're, they're back to see how David Brent and co are getting on and David Brent is not happy with how he turned out on the show you headbutt a girl on the telly and you're laid with a crash <laughs> And he is like maintaining that he is not a plonker. And like the scene is said, it's just this, this brilliant, like that, that, that's a genius idea to, to say that this is going to be the terms of engagement where there is going to be this sense of ego that has been fulfilled, where he's like offering his signature to be, his autograph to people. And he's also really upset with, with how he was portrayed. And that's a whole other layer to David Brent. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, as you say, he just made me laugh there. Yeah. <laughs> You accidentally had put a girl on TV and all of a sudden that's the story. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And as you say, it sets the tone for the for, for the rest of the episode. Um he's 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 become in the meantime, he's become some sort of a traveling salesman where he's trying to sell cleaning products. Um well obviously he tries to make it sound more flash than it actually is. Oh flash, excuse the pun. <laughs> Um, but ah, uh, oh, look, it's it's just yeah. Oh my god, I've just even though I'd only watched it recently, you've just made me realise how amazing that opening scene is. Oh, brilliant! It's, it's brilliant. just, it's just so good. Brilliant. Like I mean, the the becoming a cleaning salesman is like I I like there are so many moments that you can pick here. But it's like, so I, it's so perfectly timed as well. That joke where he's like, your one asked him from behind the camera, "Are you a George store salesman?" And he's literally taking the cleaning products out of the car, and he's like, "No." <laughs> Like all of that stuff is just time to perfection, you know. <laughs> it's like it, my favorite moment in the two episodes is when he makes that sales pitch for his uh, cleaning products, and he like goes through the stuff, and then he gets in a cloth, and he's like, "Just gonna dip this in there." Oh, it's nearly dry, and then he's like, "Circular motion is key. That's coming off with tap water. It's about removing the stain job, not the paint job." And it's just line after line after line is an absolute cracker in that office. And your man's like, "Yeah, I'll take twelve." <laughs> 12 <laughs> I'll take and then the classic days. line after that the classic line after that tell me who does your tampons yeah <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> oh my god, oh my god so this, so good. this sort of journey towards finding fulfillment that, that, that is where, where, the, where the tone is set like as you mentioned Dawn is uh, a massive part of the story early on we get a, a view of Florida but we also get a view of Tim without her in the office like locking yeah. Gareth into his office, which is now his office, and it's just not funny to the new receptionist whatsoever. She is having none of it. We get a look at uh, the Fruit and Veg Emporium, as uh, <laughs> David puts it, and he's like, you need to stay healthy when you're on the road, uh, and uh, he uh, essentially forces his, his uh, autograph down the throat of someone. Like, it, it, it is interesting, like, it, it, this sort of paranoia that, that comes with being famous all of a sudden, that this guy has a massive ego, and all of a sudden he feels that people are recognizing him, that there's probably a whole other level of paranoid David Brent that we're seeing here. Oh, for sure. Um, there's, it, you know, he, he wants to be recognized. And then at the same time, he wants to be recognized and praised mm. and, and, and revered and loved because he is recognized by some people who go, you're not crap. And, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, rude. Uh, not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic Brent, you know. Um, I, again, like I keep, finding moments in Brent's character that I can identify with and, um, you know, like being 
in, in a soap that I was in, and I was on Fair City, and 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 I got I got very kind of well known. People would know me physically, I suppose. Mm. Not now with the long hair, but anyway. <laughs> but I, I used I used to get known physically walking around, and people go, "Oh my God, you're a man on Fair City," and uh, and I'll be honest with you, it was nice. It was a thrill. I enjoyed it. And sometimes when you're walking down the street and somebody goes, "Oh, oh, there he is," and you're like, "How are you doing?" And they they think you're somebody else, and it's quite it's quite heartbreaking. It really is. It's damaging to your ego. So, so, so I can think. Uh, I find. I, I just. I think because because of Brent, I, I identify so much with a lot of what happens to Brent, and and I think that's probably at the root of why I I love him so much, and I and I, and I'm rooting for him straight away. You know. Um, yeah, sorry, mm. sorry, no, I just that's, went that's off really on a tangent there. No, because yeah. like there, there's a load in that, that that I want to get into. Like when once we get to the uh, stand-up comedy version of David Brent later on. I'm really keen to get some of your um, insights into clubs that you've attended where you've seen moments like that a little bit later on once we get there. But but, but just on that, like I, I guess, is there ever a moment when you're like, does that person recognize me? Does that person not recognize me? That, that sort of uh, in-between place that David Brent is all of a sudden negotiating here, that this newfound fame <laughs> that he doesn't really know what to do with. I think he, he, you see, the difference is I'm doing it maybe internally. He's doing it. Well. <laughs> he's actually, he's vocalizing it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, um, there's, there's, there's also another thing um, people will, you know, people of, of, of relatively small fame like myself will tell you um, is that there's also people who do recognize you, but go out of their way to tell you that they don't recognize you. That's a really yeah. odd thing I've seen. Mm. So, you know. The, How do you mean? I, I'll tell you. I'll give you an example. I was um, where would I uh, say I was? I was at a oh yeah, maybe at a gig or at a festival, or whatever. And a couple of people would come up and they'd go, "Hey, you doing, Eric? Blah blah blah. Saw you at such a gig. Oh, watch you on First City. Can we get a quick picture?" And you go, "Yeah, no problem at all. You get a picture." And then you'll, somebody somebody else will come over to you and go, "I know I'm supposed to know who you are, but I don't." And you're like, "Why are you coming up to why me? Why would you do that? Why would you go out of your way to?" tell somebody you don't know them am i or, or am i supposed to know who you are and i go no no you're not supposed to know who i am so there's that other level of arseholery out there mm. as well, I, I remember my brother my brother who's a, a dickhead sometimes to, to people <laughs> <laughs> he won't let me saying that but he went up to um glenn hansers and got a glenn hanser between a sign in a galway and he went up and he went your music is terrible and i think you're a dick and glenn oh went God. thanks very much buddy <laughs> Stephen came home and was like, do you know what? He was actually pretty nice. <laughs> I was like, why would you do that? Why would you go up to somebody and do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, at least he had the courage to say it to his face and didn't just take to Twitter. Do you know what I mean? Because the, often the criticism of Twitter is don't tweet what you wouldn't say to someone's face. So mm-hmm. fair play to your brother. Fair play to your brother for being a dickhead in person. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the, the social media version of that is very much not only targeted towards celebrities, but targeted towards maybe organizations who post something that that person is not interested in. And then the reply is, who cares? And it's like, why do you reply <laughs> oh, no, to this yeah. thing? Why, why, yeah. why, why, why do you keep publishing stories about this? Stop talking about this. And it's yeah. like, yeah, thankfully. And that's a classic. Yeah, it is that's classic. That's a classic. Uh, Dave from Love Island um, is, has got, you know, his relationship has ended with Mary or something. No, no. Sorry, David and Mary are two very glamorous names for a good while, but you know what I'm saying. David is in relationship with Zend with Mary, and and then people reply with, "Who? What? Am I supposed to know who these are?" And they're like, "Oh, look, 
Go off and read your alt-right fucking website. <laughs> well, it's, um, that's, that's the sphere that David Brent is now existing and he's gone to, to, gone to a whole new plane. Um, like, he comes back to the office then, as you say. Not with the dog at the start. There is this sort of um, awkwardness uh, when he comes back to himself and Gareth to sort of phone a headline yeah. and he's like, I'm not going to phone a head. Uh, you're not a doctor <laughs> sort of thing. And then there is, like, I, I love uh, Gareth in this moment when he's talking about leading a bunch of men to their certain death. And he says, please come with me. He's like, I'm not going to say, please come with me. I'll tell you a joke. If you're laughing in the jungle, you're going to give away your position to the enemy. And this sort of <laughs> embracing of his new role as, as, as an army leader. It's like, like it, w- w- when you think about Gareth, Eric, is, is he up near the top of your favorite office characters? Because he is clearly the one that, that's probably most Marmite people. Oh, he is I, like Mackenzie Crooks, so mm. so good in that role. Um, beautifully played, um, yeah. pitch perfect, tone perfect. Every moment he doesn't doesn't miss a beat. Um, the fact, as you just alluded to there, the fact that he is now in the role that Brent once occupied as he's managing the branch, or or, or as Brent likes to point out, it's a watered down version of his previous role it's not as senior as the role he once had um i think that uh, and in that exchange between him and gareth when gareth is saying you know um you should have called ahead there's like it's it's just car crash cringe after car crash cringe like it's one after the other there in a space of like a minute and it's so cringing and awkward and like i mean you'll come out of that scene with a six-pack you're cringing that hard, you know. It's it's so good. But it it's goes so on for good. so long but, as well. It's just a, like I'm not gonna yeah. call head. Yeah, I'm gonna call no, not no, you need to call it no. <laughs> just like just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a silence, a little drawn out silence, and then he'll come back with it again. You really should have called it. No, I'm not gonna call it head. Ah, you're like, oh my god, stop, stop, stop. Um but Mackenzie Crook uh, as Gareth is just oh, amazing. Like he's a brilliant um, actor, isn't he? He's so good, absolutely brilliant. But you also mentioned, like, when Brent, remember when Brent walks into the office? Um, oh, sorry, at the start of that scene, uh, uh, Tim locks, uh, locks him in the in the office, mm. and he tries to get the receptionist. And I think it's quite interesting that the receptionist kind of looks like Dawn as well. She's she's blonde, yeah, yeah. Um, similar style, a new um, Dawn. And, as, and that's a beautiful line from Brent in fairness and one of his mm. better lines because he yeah. often puts out the cringy crap lines but that was one of his one of his better lines uh, A New Dawn um, and the fact that she doesn't engage in the in the horseplay with Tim is another sad moment and it's another yearning for better days another yearning for Dawn and, and you can see Tim just break up a little bit inside again it's, it's, uh, it's gorgeous Yeah, she is one of those people who just happens to share the same carpet as him and walking the same carpet for, for yeah. eight hours and that, that kind of like plays into to the mad coincidence of, of being able to, to exist in the same sphere of dawn and that's why I think we're quite emotionally attached to, to what happens at the end. Right, the next bit. The next bit, uh, Eric, I'm going to let you take the lead here. He, he, uh, he takes, he, well, he talks to us about his £42,000 that he spent in a single and then we oh, see a music video. What can you this, say about this? This is, you know, this and this, all this information comes from Gareth. Um, when the you know, it basically Brent is was made redundant, um, and he sued and was successfully. They well, they mm-hmm. they they settled out of court. Um, you don't find out how much, <laughs> but Gareth says, Tell them, tell them what you spent it on. Um, I don't have to, and he tell them what you spent it on, spent on music, I spent it on a music video. Um, and he spent all of the money on a music video. I tell him how much he made. Gareth is poking him in the background, 
tell them what revealing uh, uh, Brent and, and really hurting him, uh, even though Brent is reluctant to give out this information. And basically, what he's done is he spent the whole 42 grand that he won in the settlement on producing <laughs> a single and a video, an accompanying video. And the single is If You Don't Know Me, If You Don't Know Me. It's, a, it's not a Simply Red song. I think it is, isn't it? It's a Simply Red song. I'm not quite it's sure, but it definitely exists. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cover version of If You Don't Know Me by Now. And it is just. Oh my God! It, the music video is Brent dressing white, <laughs> <laughs> barefoot, Rele- releasing doves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off the landing in a, in, a, in a house, and having this blazing row with this stunningly beautiful woman who's at least a foot taller than him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just oh my God! It is just cringe fest central and it is it is you know if i think if people were to go away and 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 think about what kind of music video brent would have i think most people would arrive that it would be something similar to to what was was shown mm. it was uh just what did you think of it all it was just oh my god it's just so but what i actually re-watching it i haven't seen this episode in so long and <laughs> i've forgotten about the voice <laughs> The voice, like, I mean, like when he starts the lip sync and it's like, holy crap, this is incredible. I think that, that's a bit that kind of takes you by surprise, but also the ability to, it's like, it's not something that the office really do, you know, it's like according to something that's that absurd, like it, it is usually kept it in the confines of documentary yes. and it's like, whoa, we're being transported here to something that we haven't seen too often. Whoa, what is going on yeah. here? Uh, it, it is, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And um, we, we move things on then and like, I mean, he is now really starting to layer it on with his unwelcomed uh, nature in the office. He's uh, talking about Dr. Dre and Ice-T being the equivalent of Wordsworth as he's uh, back in the office and on a more recent uh, trip. Neil is is there and thereabouts telling him to just like basically stay away. I hope you're not distracting people from from their work. And we start to kind of go on the road a little bit more with, with David at this point. He's talking about his mobile office. If you've got a mobile phone, you're in the office, he says. Like, I mean, there's a little bit of working from home uh, kind of uh, poignancy about that what you get in the year 2021 for sure um, and then there is uh, the situation where they're in the he's back in the office once again with Neil uh, and with Gareth and they're talking about who David is going to bring to the party do, do you have a girlfriend and uh, it's like a, of course you do and there is this genuinely brilliant awful but brilliant lad chat that then develops where uh he's like uh, talking about uh neil is talking about his girlfriend and uh there's some sort of derogatory remark made and uh, uh david is like great into a gp well done congratulations and yes uh like he he looks at her um he, he, neil shows her a picture and obviously she's quite an attractive woman because brent if you, if you notice looks at the photograph and then looks back <laughs> 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 and he's like, you know, I prefer my women intelligent, is what he says. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, well, she's a doctor. Oh, objectifying GPs. That's not very PC, is it? That's not yeah. very nice. <laughs> and it's, 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 again, it exposes Brent as being this pathetic loser with no... Mm. Like he like in that scene again is 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 a, a Finchy that's there in that scene with them. I yes, think it's Finchy, and he always seems to kind of man up when Finchy's there and try to be the alpha male when Finchy's there. And it's you know, but in in, in other moments you'll see Brent, and when he's with women, he is quite gentle. He's he's quite 
vulnerable. But when he's with Finch, he, he, he puts on this alpha male exterior and tries to be one of the lads tries, and comes up with a lot of you know, attempted, uh, but often failing, locker room talk with uh, with Finchie and, and tries to engage in that with Finchie and just fails miserably again and again. The cringe comes. Hmm. Yeah, like that sort of stuff doesn't really come naturally to, to David Brent as much as he is. Like uh, at times you, people will say, oh, he's a, he's a horrible man. It is that tough exterior that he's trying to portray that is leading to those awful moments. Not an actual reflection of his character. Like, is that, oh. is that giving him a get-out-of-jail-free card? Um, perhaps. Um, but I think we, 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 get to, we get to see him uh, at all moments. All, we see him challenge at every time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 the horrible alpha male exterior is only reserved for when Finchie's around or when he's trying to be one of the boys. And sometimes with Gareth, he'll do that as well. But we see him alone a lot. We see his real feelings when he's not being as performative to the camera uh, as he quite often is. Um, we see the moments where he looks extremely vulnerable and that's the moments when you go, oh my God, your heart going, kind of goes out to him and you want him to succeed. Mm. And then he's like, yeah, kind of... like It is a juxtaposition between those talking head moments from David Brent and the laddish moments from David Brent where he says, yeah, I have girlfriends on and off where that laddishness is kind of like turned down a little bit, but while he's a talking head and uh, like, he's obviously asked, when do you think you will be in a relationship? He's like, I don't ask when I ask who and why, uh, which is just a beautiful line. So, so what, do, what do you make of uh, the, the lad exterior uh, of David Brent that he likes to, to push? Like it always kind of brings you back to the, oh, this guy's just a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> the, the dates in particular like the bit where he walks into the on the I think it's the third date um, and he walks into the bar and she's behind him and he just goes oh for fuck's sake <laughs> what a moment what a, a moment <laughs> he's giving yeah. out about how shit she is like it's just and then he like I think that's amazing I think that's what's brilliant about the writing and what's brilliant about Richard Gervais is that like you flip so quickly from the oh what a what a complete asshole to oh god this poor guy he needs a hug <laughs> yeah I don't know who would be able to achieve that but what I also like about it is he's kind of this realistic character he's not like he's not all good or he's not all bad he has his faults and he's probably not the best guy the best of times but he's still on occasion tries his best and like that's what I love about the at the end when he tells Finchie is it to to fuck off and you're just yeah. like yeah okay yes. there's a there is good in there and he is just like you do feel like it's a front a lot of the time to just feel like he's part of the crew and part of the guys and but underneath it he's probably just a really kind of lonely guy that's what really upsets me about the office it's sad like there's so much of it that's really really sad I like and I was I wasn't sure when to to bring this comparison in but I think that was actually a good time I was it was going to happen at some point the US versus the UK office now, Eric, I'll hold my hands up here and say I've always professed myself to be more of a, a U.S. office fan. I, I will say rewatching this has, has challenged that substantially. I just think these two episodes are absolutely sublime. And I think when you go for like an hour and a half of straight up comedy, I don't think the U.S. office has a consecutive 90 minutes or it's probably over. It's probably 100 minutes of comedy. This that is as good as this. This is like perfect. These two episodes. But I also think after season one, I'm not sure how much you've watched of it, but they move away from the David Brent type character with Michael Scott and they make this guy a more sanitized version of himself. And those moments of loneliness are kind of unbelievably wild moments of comedy. So like there's one scene where he's, um, he's uh, 
got his girlfriend who clearly hates him and there is this moment where she's like we don't even share a bed he he sleeps on the little thing at the end of the bed and it's like that's obviously hilarious because he like curls up at the end of the bed and it's like that's just a great moment of comedy but it's kind of so ridiculous and so far-fetched whereas with David Brent it's kind of like Jesus this is like so normal or so I could see this happening like as you say the the roadside cafes where he doesn't need to say anything just a wide shot of him sitting there at, at, at night time on his own eating a, a takeaway meal in a food court there was something far more authentic about what David Brent is compared yeah. to what Michael Scott becomes after one season of the US office uh, I 100% agree with you uh, on, and, and I love the American office as well uh, um, but I just have a special place in my heart for the UK office and, uh, and that's why it'll always be my, my favourite and as you just mentioned there the, the two episodes together when you watch them back to back it's just Oh, it's 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 good for your soul. I think it's it's good. You laugh, you cry, you you get angry. You you, you know, you're like you're, you're so sympathetic towards Brent, and then he goes and says something, and you're like, ah, for fuck's sake, Dave, <laughs> say that for us. <laughs> you fucking Rudy, we're doing so well, <laughs> and you want to punch him sometimes, you know. Um, but then, as Sue said, you want to hug him another time. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's. The reason it hits home so hard is because it is so normal, and you identify with it so much. As you said, with the with the, with the Steve Carell character, it's 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 become almost more of a caricature, yeah, um, uh, of himself as opposed to real life, real nor real. Uh, I, I don't know, I can't find the words to express what I'm trying to say. But you you did it well there on a few minutes ago. <laughs> I think it's also like it may may just come down to the simple fact that the original office is not very long there's not that many episodes whereas with the u.s office there are a shitload of episodes and even i know michael scott leaves but it's still what five six seasons of him there like that is a lot of television to to keep up that pace and maybe after season two or three it does start to to slip a little bit from certain characters perspectives and also as well you got ricky gervais who's who's so centrally involved in this i know Carell is as well in the u.s one but it just feels like he is writing for himself and it's just it's just a match made in heaven and the more the more I uh, kind of rewatch this, maybe it's just not being uh, as young as I was when I watched the, the US office, the more I'm like, hold on, have I got this wrong? Have I actually completely got this thing wrong? <laughs> actually, yes, the US office is great, but really, did it make me feel that way when I was watching the, the UK office and, and the, the Christmas episode? I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, yeah. well, the next scene up uh, after the, the, the lad chat in the office with the boys is the introduction of my favorite character which is Peter, his agent. Uh, I love this guy. Oh. I think he's just <laughs> such a pathetic, uh, he's just a lame duck of a character in there. He offers <laughs> nothing in such a deliberate way. The sort of when he's... Nothing. <laughs> Doesn't even know his own client's names. <laughs> like, what sort of agency do you, do you run, Peter? Oh, well, uh, a bit of everything. It's kind of like when, when you ask like a, a 15-year-old, what sort of music are you into? It's like, oh, you know, listen to a bit of everything. Uh, and like, uh, He's real rabbit in headlights, isn't he? Because I love, you know when you see agents, what's the name of that really famous boxing agent? The, oh, Eddie Hearn. Oh, um, yes, yeah. Eddie Hearn, yeah. And he just, he's able to just command the camera all the time. And then you compare him with him and you're like, <laughs> this guy an agent. <laughs> that's completely it so he is like a rabbit caught in the headlights he's just very self-aware when the camera's on him and he's being asked a question he said they're asking me a question am i on the television you can always hear his internal dialogue here you know um but yeah like and what what what, what were his clients again he had he had michael he had, douglas oh yeah, michael thinking douglas. about getting a catch and see to jones because they think it's just some old guy hanging around at a party <laughs> 
Yeah, so, so good. And, and Brent, Brent is like, yeah, I'm well, he calls the... him Kirk Douglas first, doesn't he? He calls yeah. him yeah. Kirk Douglas. Yeah, and it's Brent who has to correct him. No, it's Michael Douglas. Oh yeah, sorry, Michael Douglas. Like he doesn't even know his own yeah. client's name. It's, it's like he's Kirk Douglas's son. And Michael's like, so what? Do, what does he do? And uh, Peter, the agent, is like, yeah, you you just wander around looking like Michael Douglas. <laughs> Like, uh, I mean, uh, and, and then the, the sort of again one of these awful moments for the 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 ego of of Brent. Do you have any of these lookalikes to be? So I don't need to turn up to these things. And he's like, you know, we're near famous enough to have a looky like you. And and like Brent's like, you're supposed to big me up, man. Come on, yeah, Come on. He's plead with him, yeah, plead with you're him. Yeah. To big me up. What you say that for? What you say that for? Oh, <laughs> and like, and and this this is where we get into these um, foot in mouth public uh, appearances these are the ones that actually made this because i texted on last night they said i wanted to crawl out of my own skin those two those two moments the blind date one and the one where oh. he's just like it's well, what are you supposed to do i'm just gonna wave <laughs> just so what we, yeah what have we got planned tonight well i'm just gonna wave <laughs> you're just gonna wave yeah, oh, so, and right. nobody clapping for him when he goes on the stage. You're just like, no, I'll make this stop. <laughs> yeah, it is like it is kind of a grim reflection of this like post Cool Britannia phase in English life, where it's like, let's give a big mumbles jumbles welcome to David Brent, and it's like feeling hot, 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 and it's like this is just all <laughs> awful. It's awful. Like, why, why is he here? Oh, and he steps onto the stage by accident as well, and then steps back and is <laughs> yes. like, oh, jeez. Yeah. But the blind date bit too, as you mentioned, is is yeah. is kills me. Oh That's, wow, kills me. It's, oh. it's bubble bubble from Big Brother, mm-hmm. and the guy who does is it the Halifax ads? Yeah, the Halifax, Halifax ads. Yeah, yeah, and and then the uh, the he Brent, of course, not not only ha- what it uh, wants to try, it's trying so hard that he wants the crowd to love him so much that he thinks that by dressing up as Austin Powers, that will provide the comedic effect to make them love him and laugh and he just walks out as Austin Powers and they're all just looking at him going what are you doing you idiot and he's like oh he's yeah I know look at me I'm like crap I'm crazy I'm crazy I'm like oh no and then <laughs> Bubble from Big Brother makes a really lewd joke to the uh, the contestant who's behind the screen uh, in the old blind date still a black format and uh, about blowing to know I'm happy she's got Bubble. a black bubble yeah. and he goes doesn't work because the saying is blowing bubbles, <laughs> so you're saying you're talking about blowjob there. So it doesn't really doesn't really work, and it's just complete silence. The crowd just looking at him. Uh, it's like oh no. What, oh, what, no. what are you What are you feeling from your own personal standpoint there? Because I'm sure, like, I don't. You've been waiting to go on stage, and you've seen people struggle. I'm not sure if you've seen it from your own perspective before, but like. It does feel, oh my God, this is like nail scraping on a chalkboard sort of moment. Like, have, is, is it too far fetched, or have you been like, this feels similar to something I've experienced myself? Alone, like, you know, as a comedian, it's great when the previous comedian has died on stage. Um, <laughs> to put it bluntly, <laughs> that's the quote that's coming out of this. <laughs> but uh, no, that's not fair. It's actually not true either. It's not true either, to be honest with you, because you want the comedian to be good, but not really brilliant, but yeah. good to keep them going, get them the laughing, to, uh, to 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 oil them oil them up a little bit for your performance. But um, no, um, when I see a comedian on stage who's dying, it is horrible. I can't watch. I can't watch. And some people love it. Like another comedian will go, "Come here, quick, watch this." And you're like, "No, no, no, I can't. I can't. I just, 
and and that's the feeling I get when I see Brent, and, and particularly in those moments in public appearances, I just it's car crash. It's horrific. Mm. There is the fish out of water scenario here as well with the sort of mumbo jumbos and uh, that particular club. Like, I'm not saying that there has ever been a crowd for David Brent, but this maybe is not the crowd for, for David Brent. Like, I'm sure there's times where you've seen uh, not necessarily Austin Powers, but certain material that may be better than Austin Powers. And it's just not connecting with the audience. And it's like, this is a match made in hell. Because that's essentially oh. what it's all about. Yeah. They're, they're like, I mean, and, and that's quite, that's another thing that a lot of comedians say to each other, particularly to a comedian who's walked off stage and it's been a really bad gig. <laughs> and you'll just go, they just weren't your crowd. Mm. <laughs> oh, as, opposed, God. as opposed to saying, my God, you were rubbish tonight. <laughs> you yeah. know, we're giving it to them honestly, like, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I mean, in, in, in that instance, but, I mean, as you say, Owen, what is the classic David Brent crowd? Where, where would yeah. David Brent? But actually, I don't know, we'll probably cover it in the very last scene. There is a beautiful moment at the very end where he does crack a joke or, or do an impression and everyone laughs. Yeah. And you can see him just, oh my God, they're actually laughing. Because in all he the whole series, yeah, he nails it. His timing was perfect. And everyone's like, oh my God, that was funny. Because the whole two series, he's struggled. He cracks jokes. They're all crap jokes, in fairness. And nobody laughs. And that's, that's the comedy of watching it. The beauty of the cringe. But in that moment at the end, when he does the joke and everyone laughs, it's a, it's another beautiful moment. What? You can imagine that he's going to eat out in that for a long time afterwards, though. Like, he's telling oh, yeah. everybody about the time that he cracked a great joke at the Christmas party. You're just like, oh. And he'll be continuously doing Frank Spencer impressions for the rest of his life because of it. <laughs> it worked once. Yeah. What a beautiful little uh, mechanic to, to finish the entire series oh. off on. Like, what? Like... What, what a genius move. It's like, I'm not sure how they planned it all along, but to deliberately sketch it so that nobody would ever laugh at him. Uh, like, he, even in the American one, you'd have Dwight sucking up to Michael by laughing at him. You don't have that with Gareth oh, yeah. in, in this. You don't have him sucking up to, to him too much by, by laughing. It's always kind of like a different sort of um, relationship to, to, to a point. And then at the end, he finally makes somebody laugh and it's the entire office. It's, it's, a, it's a really happy ending. <laughs> oh, it's a superb book ending. It's incredible, absolutely incredible. I think it's it just those last couple of minutes of that last episode is you do see this growth in in Brent as a character and a little bit more of self awareness. And you know the, the like uh, we'll save it for later. But the you know the date at the Christmas party and how well it goes and all that kind of thing. It's um, it's it's those last couple of minutes you do really do see a growth and it's like it's like it's it's like the classic story isn't it like it's like our hero wins in the end kind of thing like you know mm, that's what it yeah. is yeah but it, yeah. it really does like you know when people say oh there's somebody for everyone you get to the end you're like there really really is somebody for everyone. <laughs> yeah. if david brent could find somebody like she must be the only woman on the planet who finds him like when he starts dancing in the office you're like, oh, no, wow. no, no, no. And she's like joining in. You're like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. He's doing what? the struts and the moves and the hip <laughs> movements. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're like, no, David, don't, don't. Oh, my God, she's going with it. She's going with it. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing what? so well. <laughs> what are your emotions, Sue, at that, uh, at that final scene in the first episode when, when beer gets thrown and uh, a few tough words are had backstage? Oh, God, it's... 
it's just so depressing, isn't it? Like, you know, the way they, <laughs> I love the way they play that camera shot as well, where they just like go in and go back out and go in and go back out. And they do it a few times and just leave it. And you're like, fucking hell, this is a-. like so easy. <laughs> Your man says, if you got any change, like, get it out of the. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like oh yeah was that my beer was that my beer (laughs) and i I just the moment where your one spills the bit where he goes and you're like i can do this he goes to like throw it on she throws back at him you're just like this is just a and it just keeps on going and he says i was already wet the joke's on you (laughs) (laughs) what like six yeah right, but, but there's something so sad about it because i feel like he thinks that this is the road for him that's gonna work and then it doesn't and then he's just standing in a room going i've nothing there's nothing now there's no i have no office i've been barred i've no career like it's just it's desperately sad like that last shot is desperately sad yeah that that's real kind of uk office rawness that that nothing else can really kind of come close to that that end of of the episode like just yeah. to, to kind of touch on the other bits that I just wanted to mention from the, the first from the first part of this uh, two episodes run, um, we haven't mentioned Anne, who is Tim's oh. new uh, desk neighbor, talking about skipping the line at Space Mountain, uh, talking <laughs> about having a word with the French guy. She is Brexit, oh. all wrapped oh, yeah, up yeah, into yeah. one individual. And then we have the scene where she's talking about the Kama Sutra and the sex positions, how she managed to get herself impregnated. And it's just like, I, that, now that is spectacular awkwardness is, is what I would say. I think she's a horrible, horrible person. And I will say when, when the lads have a pop offer in the second episode, it's like, screw you. I, like, whereas Tim is like, yeah, you know what? Uh, leave her off. Let her go. Let her leave the room and cry her. Cry herself out of this party. Someone went after her. It was like, I know she's annoying, but for fuck's yeah. sake, they were assholes. Yeah. Oh, that Glenn guy, that part yeah. of that nail, that nail. Oh, sorry, the Lee Posse is is oh, they're yeah. despicable humans. Like they are the alpha male Brexit English football hooligan supporting <laughs> cretins that we yeah. all deplore. You know, um, he oh, but yeah, that like, but that that actress who who plays Anne, like, what a performance. Mm. Like, like just her, her, her physicality as well. And you know the the holding the facts to uh, to 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 Tim's face, not looking sure at him. This. You sure about this? You sure about this? She's typing away with the other hand, and she's not looking at him. And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, was that right? Well, the wrong date is on it. You know, this kind of moments. Yeah. And like, you're going, oh my god, that's such a brilliant performance of an absolute asshole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but having her pregnant is is. Is another brilliant move by 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 the office and the writers is because you're you're kind of going like as Sue said you don't know she is an asshole and you want to hate her but at the same time you're kind of going yeah but she's pregnant you know <laughs> hormones maybe I don't know maybe she's not really like that you know I don't know let's let's give her the benefit of the doubt kind of thing um, but when that Glenn guy says that to her at the end I do agree I think Tim um, should have maybe Gone got after up after her or sent someone after her yeah for sure. Yeah. And that was the only moment I think Tim let himself down. <laughs> Who is, yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. Who is the best actor in, in The Office? <laughs> so I many. Freeman. I probably, like, Martin I would have thought Freeman. Freeman from my own trained eye, yeah. But, Freeman is incredible. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I always, I, I, just, I just go back to the central character. I know it's an easy one to go for, but I just, I just think Gervais's performance is just incredible. Um, every moment, there's nothing wasted. It's just sublime. 
Absolutely sublime. Gervais, like his understanding of where the camera is for the documentary is unbelievable. Like his looks around the room and his eyes back and the way he looks at the guy, like all of that stuff is just like, that timing must be so incredibly hard to do. And he's, it's just flawless. You don't even, th- you don't even realize he's thinking about all that stuff all the time. He's yeah. all of his minds and jokes. Like he's amazing. Like it's, it's technically, technically perfect too. Absolutely. As, as you say, sorry, maybe that's what I'm I, like as an actor's performance, you know, there's so many great performances in it, but I suppose what I'm basing it on is not only just the acting, but the, the awareness of the camera, the, the, the little eye movements, the little glances, the double takes, Oh, everything about it is just absolutely pitch perfect, and and that's why I would I would have Gervais as as, as the best in that. Yeah, it's an easy option, I know, but no. But sometimes the most obvious one is is the the answer in these things. Just, just uh, mm-hmm. one other scene, really, that I know, so you adore in this uh, first episode is the the meeting, the the meeting before the Christmas party, and the, <laughs> the list of the things that you need at a meeting. Oh God, I love this scene. <laughs> disco girls, wet t shirt competition. <laughs> Something for old people to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not not wet, we're not having old people doing the wet t-shirt competition. Because yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I texted that to Owen earlier. I just, like, it just popped into my head and I remembered how funny it was. Don't have old people do the wet t-shirt competition. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Oh, yeah, it's, it is. It is absolutely magnificent. Like, I mean, it's. Um, I, I think we're pretty much uh, wrapped up first. The first episode there. There isn't as much to go through in the second episode, but it's just this, this, this phenomenal thing. Except, sorry, there is one other thing. One, one last thing I promised from episode one is the setting up the dating profile. The you know, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, are you not attractive? Are you quite attractive? Are you attractive or very attractive? And he's like, yeah, very attractive is a little bit too arrogant. It's not, you know, like. The, the like, oh, uh, the, just put down Yeah. Oh, well, and like, the, what, what are you into? Traveling. And then the, I, I love the whole line. I think that's actually oh. a moment when David Brent is genuinely funny and not just being a cringe funny. That's like the moment when he makes me laugh at an actual good one. When he's like, how do you think I got the whole, whole came to me, whole came down the motorway in a car? <laughs> it's like, oh. And he doesn't even play for it. Like, he doesn't actually realize that that's actually the funny line. That's what I love about that. It just yeah. Goes yeah. On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, they ask him about what would you consider yourself well built, heavily built? Yeah. <laughs> and Garrett, Garrett, just, Garrett just glances down at his belly and goes, <laughs> heavily built. <laughs> I go, no, no, well built. <laughs> it's, oh, stop. I can't cope. <laughs> I, th- I think that that kind of wraps up episode one. As I say, episode two, we've kind of already touched on a lot of what occurs here. Uh, like this is yeah. about, th- this is a series of dates essentially for David Brent. Uh, like we've touched on a, on a couple of them already. And, and there is just this, this mad coincidence at the very end that there is somebody that David Brent is attracted to who seems to be attracted to him. And I think part of that is, that she is just accepting of the patronizing tone that comes with every sentence that he says, you know, the, the conversation they have around the, the documentary and David Brent is like, I know you, I don't know if you don't, I, I don't know if you understand television, but this is what happens when a documentary is made. They leave certain things out. She's like, Oh, you head the woman. And when she's still there afterwards, you know, that the, the deal is sealed and, and he was going to be a happy man. And, and the bit that didn't make it into was his beautiful rendition of the Bob Marley song. Yeah. Uh, no women, no cry. And even the 
the the black guy in the office said it was a, it was a beautiful. So therefore, it should have been kept in. <laughs> it should have made the the edit. Um, but I think the character that he eventually hooks up with, um, like you're delighted for him. You're so happy for him. But this is the thing with Brent. Um, prior to that lady arriving at the Christmas party um, in a taxi. Do you remember the other woman who arrived? And yeah. a slightly bigger woman. And it's another moment where he went, oh, for fuck. <laughs> and she goes, she's looking for someone else at the party. And he goes, oh, yeah. Wow, phew. She's upstairs. Wow, I was on a blind date and I thought it was you. <laughs> and you're like, you fucking idiot. What did you say that for? And like you're rooting for a woman and then you're hating them the next minute. And you're going, you don't deserve happiness. Mm-hmm. But then that woman arrives and you're, you're still happy for her. I love these Christmas party uh, moments where it is just him being awkward, just standing around waiting for things to happen. Everybody just existing with their little glasses of wine and just having a really crap time. And uh, decent music is playing actually, but everybody's just having an awful time. You run out of force to go to these things. We went to not like, not that the off the ball parties wouldn't be absolutely hysterical crack all the time, but we went, (laughs) we had to go and get finger food and stuff. And there's that awkward thing. No matter like me and one sit across from each other in the office, right? But outside of that, there is that awkward thing where you're all shoved into a room. And you have to all have finger food together and talk about how great Christmas is. And it's so awkward. It's I love it. I, I, I don't know about you, Sue. I you love, just I love awkwardness. I love awkwardness and I love finger food. My two favorite things. <laughs> like, I purposely go into those parties about like an hour late so that everyone's nicely oiled. I'm like, yes, now we can just all have chats like normal people. We don't feel like we have to be forced. And that's what so much that Christmas party is like people that have never spoken to each other before. Is, is this it's an interesting be, thing though isn't it? yeah like, like I, and, as you said like you, people that you work with every day spend that eight hours a day you spend more time with them than you do your family and yet when you're pushed into that social situation things can you're dead right Sue things can be a little bit because you, you have to talk about so something outside of work yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you suddenly have to talk about your personal life and get to know somebody outside of a work environment it's, it just becomes weird all of a sudden yeah yeah yeah, like, I mean, is this going to be a reflection of where we're all at as individuals when we go back to the pub for the first time this summer, Eric? Do we, do we, oh. is, is this going to be, are we actually watching future us when we look I, at Martin Freeman awkwardly shuffling beside people in his office? Well, I tell you something, uh, Owen, after this pandemic, when I go to the pub, I will be hugging every single individual <laughs> in that pub. <laughs> and probably will be for the foreseeable future. <laughs> um, but there's a, the, the, the social awkwardness as well is beautifully shown as well by... Um, by uh, Gareth, uh, he attempts to talk to two co-workers who are probably in their fifties, and they're both having a, a conversation with drinks. And he's like, "How you doing, lads?" Yeah, and tries to tries to get in. They just kind of dismiss him, and he's just left there, and just looks around and sees somebody else at the party. Calls over to him and starts doing the monkey impression and walks <laughs> over to them, kind of thing. <laughs> it's that horrible manager thing as well, where there's a kind of a Oh, you, you have to talk to all the staff. Mm. <laughs> staff don't yeah. want to talk to you. Oh, I know. <laughs> you see the staff. manager, you're bolting the other side of the room, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, can, I, can I put one thing to, to you? At the, at the end of this episode, obviously, we've already touched on the, the ending. We started with the end, really. But up until that point, obviously, we have this really beautiful moment where Dawn opens her secret Santa gift and it's clearly from Tim and it's an oil painting. It says, never give up or, or whatever it is. What would you have thought had she not come back or had we not seen that she comes back that we still have the the group picture and 
David Brent makes everybody laugh, but we don't have her coming back. But we have her crying in the taxi and he's sitting in the front. Would it have been better if we had actually made our mind up for, our, for ourselves that we had that sort of very sad cliffhanger that we weren't quite sure? Or do you like the fact that it was tied up? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I know what you're saying, um, and sometimes you're, you're better left leaving an audience wondering and making up their own conclusions. Um, but I just thought, again, it was, a, it was a superb bookend for the show. There were so many bookends to the show when you think mm. about it. Um, it was something we all longed for as an audience throughout the whole series, the two, two series. Um, and it's such, again, I, I many times, it's not often you say that about a comedy, so many beautiful moments, but a, a beautiful, heart-wrenching moment when she's in the back of that taxi and Lee's passed out in the front and she opens the present and it's clearly a gift from Tim because it's the 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 sketch. caricature she the sketch she's drawn of him and uh, and what is it don't give up don't give up he wrote uh, along with the oil set and it's like like when you see that like your heart just bursts you're like oh my god and it's in that moment she realizes she's doing the wrong thing she's wasted the life of this complete waster in the front of the cab and uh I don't know. Now, to me, yeah, I'm, I'm. I think it's such another beautiful moment where Tim is engaged in this completely crap office speak with, with, uh, with Ricky Gervais and, and Mackenzie Crook, and in the background you see Dawn walking into the office, and you're like, oh my god, oh my god, she's there, mm-hmm. and the tears are still in her eyes, and he's still carried away. He's completely oblivious to her presence. He's still carrying away the talk, and she just touched his arm. And he turns around and it's like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's up there with Officer and Gentleman stuff. It's fair, get in, <laughs> get in, get stuck in. It's brilliant. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the better person for seeing that scene play out, I have to say. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, when you put it like that, now I'm starting to think about it. I'm like, actually, it's, the emotion isn't just when she gets to present. The emotion is when she comes back and there is a payoff. I think, I think you have to pay that off. And, like, and I'm sure that, that was a conversation because as time has told us, they weren't bullshitting us when they said this was going to be the end of the office. Here we are 18 years later, almost 18 years later, and still no reunion. They haven't gone Gavin yeah. and Stacey on it. Is that something Our you'd friends. like to see? Our friends? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, 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 uh, I don't know. You know, I haven't given it, I'm just, I love the fact that it ended when it did. Um, I, I think, Probably the year after it ended, I would have been wishing for a, um, you know, another series or, you know, let's, let's come on, let's catch, or even two or three years later. But now so much time has passed. I'm kind of happy that they left it as it is. But having said that, if they were to say, yeah, uh, we're doing a, a one-off Christmas special to see where all, I, I mean, who wouldn't want to see what Brent's yeah. up to right now? You know, yeah. so. I Sometimes know. I think those series, like, I, I, I thought it was a genius decision to say we're done because it's brave, especially if it's something that's huge and the BBC love it and the audience love it. Like I know it was kind of slow to take off, but it's just one of those series that everyone says is one of the best. But I think Graham, Graham Lenehan's series are like that as well. The IT crowd, Father's Head, mm. just finishing on highs and going out. I just think it doesn't leave a bad taste. It leaves a great legacy. It's something that you can go back and go, that was perfect. It finished exactly when it was supposed to finish. Faulty Towers is another example as well. Yeah, yeah, when they extend those series, it just like I'm really skeptical about that Friends reunion. I'm just like I don't, and I loved Friends, but I just yeah. think it's 
it's a bit too late now. I think I I just want them to exist at that time when I was that age. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So. It's, it's interesting. It's probably, friends maybe can get away with it because it's already a pretty long season or long series, I should say. Uh, and it's like, what's another few few episodes on it? And I don't know. I, I just find the office is like a little bit more complicated or easier to get wrong because it's coming off such a height. Like yeah. I would definitely have it on a on a, a much higher peak than Friends, for example. But that's that's just my opinion. I, I I just think that it's it's far superior to a lot of comedy out there, and it's just so hard to do it right again. Um, but yeah, Father Ted and the IT crowd came came to mind as well. Just one other uh, note before we wrap up: Did you know that the plot lines in this episode all got leaked before Christmas two thousand and three? Somebody in the BBC got an <laughs> address. Got an, yeah, somebody in the BBC got an address wrong while posting out a script and uh, the November. So this goes out on the 26th and 27th of December, 2003. That November, a beauty technician called Joanne Hiley claimed to have been sent the scripts in the post by mistake. So although like technically illegal, she, she announced to the Sun that she intended to sell them. And sure enough, it did get published. The Daily Mail bought the scripts and revealed pretty much all the plot points uh, in an article which was published four weeks before the broadcast. And uh, Gervais did a few interviews. He asked for a newspaper or magazine to buy the scripts and return them to the BBC as a little Christmas present to the nation. But no, it was published. They did not reveal that Tim and Dawn would get together at the end. That was the only detail they left out. But everything else was like, here you go, jazz hands. But at least hands. they left that out. Yeah. Oh, was that, was that a, a decision by the newspapers to leave that bit out? It must have been because I don't see the reason to publish everything except for that little detail. Uh, so I'm like, well, I've never been so happy not to read the Daily Mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's um, just awful. Like I, I remember I Breaking Bad as well. Like I was late to Breaking Bad, so I was about two episodes behind the last episode, and it was just kind of everywhere. <laughs> mm. And it really ruins it. Like something that's that big, you know, and you're really waiting for the end. It's it just ruins it. Yeah, mm. for sure, for sure. Um, well, this has been, let's go back to The Office Christmas specials, episode 13 and 14. If uh, you want to check it out, it is on Netflix at the moment. Eric, first of all, thank you for suggesting this. It was a joyful experience to be able to watch this back. Uh, what's, what's next for you over the next, little, uh, next few months as, as life gets back to, to some semblance of normality? Um, yeah, well, hoping to, to get back doing some gigs. Um, there's been a few bookings uh, uh, for the months ahead, which fills me with joy. Um, so, I did do uh, I did a gig last week, uh, during, early on during the week, but it was one of these gigs where you record to camera, um, and I was supposed to do a little short 10-minute set, and I completely forgot how to do comedy. And I just stood there looking at the microphone going, well, what am I supposed to do here again? And my sense of timing, rhythm, everything was gone. So before I do those gigs for the next few months, I shall be practicing in the mirror with a hairbrush like I did as a kid, pretending I was a rock star. God, you need it's the like, audience though, don't you? Like you yeah, need... that, that is another thing as well. Yeah. It's so difficult to do a routine and come in with a punchline and there's nothing. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, Whereas in a live yeah. setting, you're, you're rolling with it, and you're laughing with it. You might even point out somebody's laughing and have a bit of interaction with the crowd. All of that kind of fuels you. Um, but it's, look, come here. It's just the way things are at the moment. Um, it won't be like that forever. Uh, we're nearly there, folks. Hang in there. <laughs> Absolutely. You're like, you're like a sports person coming back. It's like the, the first few days of the Premier League when, when there was a lot of shots missed and people couldn't find the, the back of the net for love nor money. So um, that's exactly. it. Keep, keep, keep training and uh, looking forward to, to seeing you soon in, in real life and, uh, and seeing you on stage soon as well. Eric, uh, it's been great chatting to you. Thanks a million for coming on. This has been Thanks, uh, Let's guys. Go Back To. And uh, you can check us out on 
uh, Spotify or on the Go Loud app, which is where you can get us uh, as ever. Every week we go back and watch a film or TV show that has a particular meaning for that week's special guest. We'll chat to you next time. Bye-bye. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app.